Welcome back to the Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. This is Tim Alanius, your host who has not been a host for a while. I have enjoyed having some guest hosts on the show and I'm excited to kick off the 2024 season with regards to a follow-up from the last episode that Joe, the Duke Campania, actually ran for us uh, alongside of a uh, representative from PayPal. So Joe, excited to have you here. We are going to kind of dive into a couple different areas of digital payments today and just kind of expand upon that conversation that you previously held. But do you want to maybe just give you a quick introduction for maybe brand new listeners who have not heard your voice? Uh, my name is Joe Campania. I am a subject matter expert here at American Eagle about credit card payments. I've been in the industry for close to 17 years. And when we need to go down the rabbit hole of credit cards, it's usually when I get brought into the conversation. There's so many ways I could take that phrase of going down the rabbit hole of credit <laughs> cards. We are not a financial podcast episode, so no. I won't. So overall, definitely want to kind of just get a recap of the previous episode. And we really were highlighting PayPal Complete Payments or PayPal PCP offering. And uh, just maybe give our listeners a, a quick overview, the features of it, and why it's really standing out in the digital payment space right now. So... PayPal developed this product and really started to roll it out mainly to kind of help merchants. And it's this challenge that they typically bring us. We get to the checkout. How do I get them to convert and not leave or not have an issue with payment in the sense of choice? So, you know, it, it, nobody wants to get to the final part and then not get it over the finish line. And what PayPal has done is they've kind of built this technological tool that allows you to take not only credit and debit cards, but Apple Pay, Google, Venmo, there's a buy now, pay later element. So it's almost a all-in-one type of offering that really you're doing with one kind of code stack. Now, again, I'm not a code guy, but one code stack of, of product. And you're really giving everybody this choice of how do you want to pay? Like, what mm -hmm. is your, and, and everybody pays a little bit differently. You know, some people love Apple Pay and some people don't trust mm -hmm. it because they think that Apple has their credit card when that's really mm -hmm. not the case. Yeah, I'm an so, Apple Pay fanboy, so yeah. we all know this. Uh, I'm an Apple fanboy. Apple Pay is fantastic for me. I can complete a transaction fast. I feel it's super secure compared to a lot of other opportunities You double for click, payment. stare at your phone. And exactly. Whatever you're buying is now in the queue to be sent to you. Yeah. So PayPal really took advantage of that. And I think they also bundled in some of their other products to kind of make it easy for merchants to, to, to do that. And the big mm -hmm. ones being Venmo and Buy Now, Pay Later, which you know they can turn on and off. Um, everybody always seems to start the conversation with how do we get Apple Pay or a wallet of some sort on? And we can kind of say, well, we can do that and more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where PayPal is coming from. It's very new. They're starting to really roll it out globally. It's definitely hit the U.S. and Canada. So I think in the next six months to a year, depending on, you know, adoption rates, I think you'll see, you know, this a lot more. But I think you're going to see that proliferation of payment opportunities become more robust on websites. Mm -hmm. um, I think when, you know, we're, we're all starting to get used to when we go to pay, put in your cell phone, and then before you can even get to the next cell, it's like, here's your code. Yeah. And, and then you have to ask, okay, well, do I want to do the code or don't mm -hmm. I? Do they have too much information? But it's it's going to have that where it's giving you the opportunity to pay however you want and to get it done incredibly fast. Yep. From the merchant perspective, right? So that's the consumer perspective. It's mm -hmm. great. It's a very fast transaction, which benefits the merchants as well. But there's other benefits to what PCP is bringing to market and other solutions as well. 
that are coming out with just regards to things such as fraud protection mm -hmm. or chargeback protection, which is very critical in today's day and age because for the amount of packages that are delivered regularly, even to my own home too often, and, and that's been in past episodes, but we're not going to go there. But the online transaction of multiple quantity of the same product because of sizing and other reasons, right? That they just ordered a whole bunch of things and then decided to return a whole bunch of things. So this is providing more benefits for the merchant from those areas, correct? Yeah, I mean, PayPal has been around a very long time. And because of that, they've been able to gather data and understand where there might be potential for fraud or this card is having fraud. Mm -hmm. um, and they're able to, to leverage that to help merchants. And that's one thing that I probably run into more than pricing is it's always getting brought into the fraud question. And you're, it's hard because a small or even a medium-sized business, and, I, and, I, and if there's solutions out there, please email us. I would love to see these because it seems like when we get the solution, it's for a massive company or the cost is massive to the point where these small to medium-sized businesses are like, it's cheaper to just deal with the fraud. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, the tools are there, but the costs seem to be just not in line. You know, we're trying to solve a, a small five pound problem with a thousand pound weight in terms of cost. And, and most of the merchants, you know, they're a game for this, but when they see what the opportunities are, they bring up some of the companies and we show them and they're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like it's, it just doesn't make sense mm -hmm. and you can't fault them for it. So then we try to put in some other, you know, safety measures to, to prevent that. But it does come back to a bit of a human element. Um, you know, it's it's also the you build a better mousetrap, somebody's going to break it. So there's always going to be some element of fraud. I would love to say there would never be. I think there always will be something going on or some some aspect that we need to be aware of. It's just how do we tackle that in a, in a cost effective way for some of these small to medium sized businesses that don't have millions of dollars to spend on fraud prevention? Yeah, no, definitely. Just thinking about one thing you mentioned earlier, too, and, and fraud, what I like about things such as Apple Pay or even the texting of a code with some of the different solutions out there for the multi-factor authentication mm -hmm. is not only does it speed up my checkout process, but I feel more secure about it as a consumer that this website is validating that it's me. It's not just, oh, yeah, I fill out a form, the payment method goes through and it's done. But for me, it's it's twofold. It's the security perspective yep. as a consumer. But it's also, and you mentioned it earlier, the speed to checkout is increased dramatically. I hate having to fill out the billing and check that it's the same as the shipping. So when I see the option option for Apple Pay or whatever method that you prefer, it speeds that up so much for the end consumer. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, most of the other defaults like shipping speed, yes, there's still options out there with some e-commerce sites, but a lot of them default to the one that most people prefer. Right. And you don't have to even worry about that as another kind of friction point in the checkout process that kind of makes someone pause and, and think. Uh, the best one I would love to see, and I, I doubt this will ever happen, but I would love to see any available promotion code automatically applied for me as well. But well, I'll save that for a future episode because there's all sorts of issues going down that road. I, but I think I, I don't disagree. I would love for that as a consumer. But as the business, it's like, listen, I want you mm -hmm. to take advantage. Yeah. But you know, you need a little bit of effort. Like if yeah. I'm giving you 20 percent off. I need you to, you know, a little bit of skin in this game. You know, yeah. it shouldn't just be populating and that sort of thing. Like for one brand recently, they did a survey and, and they, you know, it took them about a week. And now I have a code for 20% off of a certain amount purchased, you know, to have that out there floating and they don't get their data is interesting. Mm -hmm. But I, I would, I would be game to see that if there's five or 10% and, 
You know, they are going to figure out if you're the brand new consumer for 10%. I would love it where I can get that and I don't have to sign up for email and texting mm-hmm. so that I can get the code and then get out of email and texting because then I seem to get that daily of, you know, do you need another pair of pants? It's like, no, not yet. <laughs> Give me like six weeks. Yeah. So a little bit discussion about the future here. Where do you see any new and emerging digital payment platforms coming out, such as blockchain-based payments, uh, so like Coinbase for cryptocurrencies? or platforms that are looking more on the cross-border transactions to lower fees where possible. What are your thoughts there and what do you know? So in terms of the crypto, I think it's interesting. Two years ago, I went to a industry conference and there was a ton on crypto. And in two years, there isn't a lot left on crypto. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that is going to be there and it's going to be an aspect of the industry, but it's not as much of a prevalence now as it was two years ago, partly because of everything that's happened. And there's so much uncertainty. Most mm-hmm. people didn't understand crypto when it was hot. And now mm-hmm. you're like, hey, you want to pay with crypto? And it's like, <laughs> ah, I don't really understand what it is anyway. And, you know, and then the crypto that you may have is tied to a dollar. And I'm like, well, why don't I just pay with a dollar? Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a space for that. But where that's going to be in the next couple of years, I think is a big unknown, you know, partly because it is so unregulated. And there's a lot of questions by the normal person. You know, I kind of always think of, you know, what, how would my parents deal with this? And my mom was very nervous about putting her credit card in her phone because if she lost her phone, there's a credit card. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's a bigger problem at hand if, (laughs) if this is the case, but I think there's a generational element to this. And I think, you know, with the younger set, the, where we're at today with payments and face and that, and that biometric aspect Mm -hmm. of your phone is, is helping in a great way. Now, I think there's also a part that we're going to see by the end of the year and starting to come in Q2, end of Q3, you know, hopefully it's here by Q4. And I think everybody heard last year about FedNow Mm -hmm. and the moving of money that exists in your account now, and it's not credit, from one aspect to another, similar to Zelbin in a business environment. I think that aspect is going to start to become more of a option in businesses and making payments than something new that nobody's heard of yet. Because I think that's existing technology and there's partnerships that I know that are in the works and are happening. It's just building it out. How do we get it to where it's it's usable and it's scalable for vendors to use? Because that way you're moving money incredibly fast. The fees are an unknown right now, but there will mm-hmm. still be a cost. It won't be as much, I think, as a credit card. So it'll be closer to the ACH um, you know, or, or money order type of, uh, or, you know, electronic transfer type aspect of, of costs, but that could be very dynamic. And then people have to make the decision. Am I going to behave with a credit, mm-hmm. which is money I technically have access to yep. versus my debit, which is real money. And do I oh, want yeah, it to be yeah. gone instantaneously? So then it becomes a budgeting question, but I think that could be really interesting for businesses to offer that because there are people who like to pay with their existing funds. They don't like credit. They don't believe in it. There's massive movements out there for it. And, you know, going for those consumers is good because some of them may have a debit card reluctantly. Mm-hmm. But if you can offer them this pro- these programs that I think are on the rise that we'll see this year, I think that that could be more of a game changer than something else. Now, Joe, you mentioned some regulatory aspects. So I kind of want to dig a little deeper here into just what are some of the hurdles with regulatory across any digital payment solution, but then also just the need for a global standardization and And it seems like we're starting to head there with some of these options, right? And they are going to always vary based on the different global regions that you're living within and currencies, et cetera. 
and regulatory bodies. But overall, what are just maybe two or three key highlights about just digital payments, regulatory hurdles, and then just where global standardization could really be benefited from combining forces? There could be a huge benefit, but I think the the stumbling block in the way of that is you're going to have the central banks mm-hmm. are going to have to give up power to a something to or or come up to an agreement where hey here's some standardizations that that becomes very difficult yeah. that's not i don't think that's going to happen tomorrow um so while i think it's a good idea practicality I, i'm not sure we get there anytime soon in terms of things to be aware of i think as an american we're very used to the way we shop visa amex mastercard discover you go anywhere on the planet, you have one of those four cards, you're, you're pretty much going to be able to make your purchase, not have an issue. Maybe you have to sign. Uh, maybe you have to you know, put in a pin in a, in a foreign country, but that's going to work. But if you're a business here and you're trying to break into different parts of the world, those networks aren't necessarily as prevalent. So it's being able to work with a partner that's in you know, South America or Asia or even parts of Europe where my card is not on those rails. So my card is on a very different network that has to be dealt with. And there are vendors that can easily do, deal with that. Um, the hard part becomes in volumes and how much are you taking from there. But I think you know it's understanding that as you start to go international or allow international payments into your American site to ship out, then there's going to be some different ways that people are going to want to pay that maybe you're not used to and maybe you don't have access to. So that's something that you know we've helped a lot of clients with understanding how to do that. And their rates are very different. I mean, from Canada, US to Mexico, the costs of taking a credit card vary. And again, that's based on government and laws and rules. Mm-hmm. Some of that is from the government. Some of it's from the associations themselves. So it, it all depends. It's all different. So that that becomes a little confusing and something you want to look for. I think when you're finding a partner, you know, and depending on where your business is going, you want to be able to at least understand or know Hey, our goal in five years is to be here. Do I need to change everything that I'm doing today when I get there in five years? Or can I just grow through that? I think that's an important part. And that's definitely a conversation we like to have, you know, when we talk to our customers and understand where they're at. Because, you know, solving something today is, I don't want to say it's easy, mm-hmm. but to have the same conversation and have to do a massive lift in five years, in another five years, just because you didn't ask today or then, that becomes a problem. And I think people will deal with it. but make that easier for everybody in the long run. Um, yeah. Did, did that answer? It answers it. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go a little bit beyond that and talk about how AI is impacting the digital payment industry with all the things that you've talked about from fraud to security and the different ways that there's an algorithm that's going to look and say, okay, this number, this card number, or this, you know, IP potentially Mm -hmm. is more known for high volume of transactions. I mean, there's, a lot of tools out there claiming that they use it already, but from your expert perspective, where do you see AI fitting in with these digital payment yeah. solutions for merchants, especially? I think if you, whoever can harness AI in the best way when it comes to fraud, mm-hmm. like we talked about, and can make that something that's usable for everyone in all levels of, of business size, that could be huge. Because that's something where you might not have a database, but you can look at behavior and and, and have that reliability through the technology. I think that's a big aspect of it. There's also how do you use AI to market through the data that, you know, that is out there and how do you work with that as well? So I think we're, again, it's kind of like the very early stages, as much as crypto has been around and people Mm -hmm. are using it, I don't think we're really able to, you know, 
harness it and drive it like a Formula One car. I feel like we're kind of in those, you know, for for anybody who's you know from the eighties, those early Fiero. It looks good. It drives okay, but we've got there's a lot of opportunity and improvement to go. You know, and 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 I don't think it'll take that long. Like that's the fun part about technology is that, you know, growing up, it's like oh, every five or ten years something new. Now it's every year or two. And I think AI with rules and 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 making sure it's responsible. I think in one two years mm-hmm. we could be somewhere where that's really driving not only the the accessibility of payments in a very fast way, especially for those who um, have accessibility issues, but also when it comes to fraud, maybe there's a way to combat this you know, in a way that preempts, like you said, hey, these IPs, you know, because nobody can whitelist everything. These yeah. are these are suspicious or these cards are bad. Um, you know, don't even allow them. Or there's been some suspicious activity elsewhere within our network on these cards and they're buying X, but now they want to buy mm-hmm. Y. We're not going to allow that. And they can just shut them down and maybe just, you know, nip that card in the bud completely. Yeah. That's great. And, and AI definitely, I think, is the same now is where i felt digital payments were a couple years ago and just termed maybe a little bit more than that for digital payments but we kind of had the initial few that were there then we had this massive fintech rush of Mm -hmm. everyone wanting to be in the digital payments business and now we're coming a little bit back more to the consolidation ai is definitely in that mad rush of all these startups looking to say hey we do this for this specific little tiny niche but then they're going to get bought out eventually by someone else and merge together on the digital payments side and you mentioned this with the the on the PayPal uh, episode previously, where we really have the utilization of the buy now pay later. And you and I have had past episodes mm-hmm. about buy now pay later or BNPL. And where do you see some of the other dedicated companies to services like that in digital payments and their future? Because you start getting the the heavy hitters, you know, PayPal, Apple has an offering now for uh, the buy now pay later aspect as well. Are these others going to still stick around or are they going to merge in? What are your what are your thoughts around those? I, I think you'll see between the buy now, pay later and the Fed now type. Mm-hmm. Those two offerings are coming from the old stodgy have always been their <laughs> style of companies. Those are coming um, if they're not there already. They're they're definitely early stages and some of them are approaching it in different ways. I mean, you don't rush to those changes in those companies. Um, but the products they'll offer, one, you're going to have a large bank or company behind it. So you're not going to be gone. You're not going to worry about VC. You're not going to worry about you know failure rates that maybe the product you're using that's flashy and, and fun is going to be gone in two years. They're going to be there. But then the technology is going to be built out in the usability. And you're going to enjoy the same service and, and reliability that you've had if you use those companies for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I think payments is interesting in, 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 I th- in the way you said it. Like, you know, everybody would go to the store, you'd hand a card, you'd get your stuff, and it was pretty vanilla. Websites happened in the 90s and it was pretty much the same. Yeah. And, you know, and I would almost say until about Apple Pay coming out, like there was PayPal, but that confused people. It's like, well, do I need PayPal? Mm-hmm. And if I get PayPal, is it going to a PayPal account? Like what? How does PayPal, how does it work? You know, and, and, and I've had clients who are like, we won't do it. We did it 10 years ago and people didn't like it. I'm like, it's different. It's not, it's not as cloistered as it once was. Mm-hmm. And then Google wallet came out and it was like, oh, Google wallet. And then that, it kind of like came in and went out really softly and quietly and it's still there, but it's not what it was. So I think 
you're starting to see now with technology and the way that consumers have an aspect for speed, because they're always going to drive this. Yeah. The business can drive whatever they want, but if no one's going to pay for it, then you got to change to what makes the people purchase. So for the consumer, I think, you know, at this point, everybody's going to obviously need a credit and debit card on all of the normal rails that we expect. But having the ability to pay with Venmo, if people keep money in there is one thing or just use it that way. Apple Pay obviously is tied to a credit card. The buy now, pay later, the Google Walls. Having any way to offer it within reason is there. And I think even PPCP from PayPal has an aspect of crypto. If you really push it, there's something there. You know, it, you just got to see, do we really want to do that? Because as a business owner, I may take crypto today and get $100 for the shoes I sold, but that crypto in 10 minutes might be worth 90. Yeah. Am I okay with that? You know, how quickly can I convert whatever I'm mm -hmm. taking, you know, through the technology or the banking system to get to the end result of the currency I need it to pay my rent in? Yeah. You know, there, there's that part of it. So I think we're at a pace now where, you know, we were old and tried, there were some changes, but now I think we're starting to get into a sprint again into what is going to be new and what's going to be used. And I think we'll be there for a little bit with some changes to it, but it's all going to be geared towards how does the consumer feel comfortable paying mm -hmm. and paying quickly. And as you said, feeling comfortable and secure about it. And if we can get there, then it's going to be a whole other jump that, you know, I think is a Malcolm Gladwell experiment mm -hmm. to say, what is that? Um, It'll almost be, maybe it'll be more biometric aspect, uh, more, more of a biometric aspect where you don't even have to click the button. Yeah. It'll just do it. Cause like when I, do you have global entry? I do. Yeah. So global entry, when I first started, you had to put fingerprints down mm -hmm. and it's like, do it again. You're like, oh, it's taking forever, but you're still not waiting in line. Mm -hmm. And then you would come up and you put your face in the hallow and you'd hit the button mm -hmm. and then it would spin out a little, you know, receipt. Now you go up, you don't even put anything. You just stare at the screen. It takes a picture and tells you to get in line. Yeah. And then as you're standing in line, the officer will say, Joe Campagna. And you're like, that's me. He's like, have a good day. Mm -hmm. You don't touch anything. So yeah. if if we get to that aspect of purchase, then you have to worry about if your kids look like you and what are they purchasing and how do I put a, the, the brakes on that? Because yeah. um, I think two-factor authentication is here to stay. And you know that's as much as people will complain about it or whatever, until they have a breach and their card is at risk, it's a hassle. But yeah. the second they have that, they're more than happy to know that the alert is hitting correctly. There's a, a great, for those of you who follow uh, the mark, market tunist, Tom Fishburne, uh, he uh, has great just comics about the whole MarTech space and everything. And actually the one just this morning was highlighting some AI and search and everything. So I encourage people to check that out. We can put a link to his website in the show notes, but it was all about that kind of like, you don't have to click anymore. It's going to start thinking for you aspect. And digital payments are definitely there. And we talked about that a couple of times throughout this episode so far. And I just, I love where that's going, but to your point, where does it become not an advantage anymore it becomes more of a risk yeah uh definitely with four boys at home and two of them starting to get more into the technical devices at this point uh my calendar just got emojied uh <laughs> without me knowing the other night uh when my wife and i were out and uh babysitter was there and all of a sudden i see oh wow there's 50 calendar entry updates what just happened well for all these updates he went and added emojis like lunch with uh, some friends of ours the other day. And all of a sudden there's like a hamburger icon, French fry icon, and all these other food icons after it. 
all sorts of fun things that he added to our calendar. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there goes his access to the family calendar. Yeah. But to that point, it's also ensuring that you have things set up so that you don't have unauthorized in the family purchases as well. Yeah. But then also, you know, if you do leave your device out and you don't have security aspects on it, to your point, right, there is your credit cards already tied to it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even carry a wallet fully anymore. Certain states have adopted the digital driver's license, which I would love for Illinois to do, but uh, I will hope and hope for years probably before that happens. But with that, it's really intriguing because I get more frustrated now as a consumer if I go in and I can't use my phone to pay at a location or the tap to pay doesn't work. Right. And for some reason in Europe, I feel that their tap to pay never has an issue. It's always fast and responsive. And uh, so there's things for us here to learn and, 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 you know, take away from that. But on your website, especially giving that quick payment option is critical. And even we've talked about this on past episodes with um, uh, the buy now with prime from Amazon, where I can actually complete that transaction from the product detail page because I'm not looking for them to shop for more. Right. So there's a lot of different ways that you can address how digital payments benefit the checkout experience, but it's not the standard checkout experience that we were all used to from before. Right. It's completely changed. There's been companies spun up just for the checkout experience to try and accelerate it. Now we're starting to see the digital payment providers really start to give more options for merchants to help reduce those friction points and make it as fast as possible. Because at the end of the day, if you don't, capture them right then and there when they're ready to check out, they're going to forget about it yeah. or you're going to have to try and remind them through other, you know, marketing automation, follow-ups, et cetera, et cetera. So why not try and capture it yeah. today? Oh no, I get my emails. Hey, you've left some stuff in your cart. Oh yeah. Why don't you come back and purchase mm -hmm. it? And I'm like, no, I still have the browser up. Yeah. I just got that on hold for mm -hmm. now because do I really need that extra whatever? Yeah. Um, but I, I wait for the promotion code to come for me. <laughs> There's how long until they send me here's 10% more off your purchase. If you complete your cart so today, I don't know if we've ever discussed this. I'm a big Lego nerd. Lego doesn't do that. So they're just like, are you going to buy yeah. oh, the, yeah. you know, the ornithopter and the in Concord the or yes. not? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to buy it eventually. Yeah. I just need to. Well, wait, hold on. We have not discussed this. So are these Legos for you yes. or for you to do with your children? Yes. And yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I All will right. I will love to build them with them and I my twin seven year olds they will get involved with it but there are certain ones it, for me it's the ability to turn my brain off mm -hmm. and do it like for, as a kid I used to love building models yep and you can sit there and kind of go through something for ten or fifteen minutes mm -hmm. I don't meditate but I can turn my brain off either get something some aspect of whatever I'm building done mm -hmm. and then the fun part is is at the end the kids can ask, enjoy some aspect of it. Like I have the roller coaster. So for the longest time, every morning they would come in, the roller mm -hmm. coaster would go, they go and they would giggle and I loved it. And then yeah. there's the, the, uh, the lighthouse. And for the longest time, they couldn't figure out how to turn the light on. <laughs> so I'd be like, just say abracadabra. And the light mm -hmm. was like, well, where is it? I'm like, it's magic. <laughs> so, I mean, that's gone away. They figured it out. But yeah, no, for me, you know, in that aspect, the, the other part that you had mentioned, you know, we always think about, you know, kids and getting on it. Mm -hmm. And there's one thing I think that would be interesting. You asked about the future. And in America, at least, the generations are starting to flip, right? That older generation is starting to be the top heavy aspect mm -hmm. of America and in a good way. But I think the way that they purchase, and if you're the one who's helping to take care of them, and they're maybe not so cognizant of what they're purchasing or where money's going, I think that could be something where you know you can put limits on it or understand 
you know, as the child, you become the parent, you know, how are we managing our parents spending or understanding so that they're not getting taken by a Nigerian prince, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that is definitely a very real aspect of this. And how do we help people not get scammed, not necessarily by losing their card, but by, you know, something with a phone call or whatever. And there are some very elaborate plots and, you know, ways that people can get wrapped into this. But I think if there's a way, you know, on the other side of the fraud in a, you know, in a not emoji way, it's mm-hmm. helping those um, parents and those taking care of them. That would be an interesting uh, solution as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, now, because I'm curious, Legos. Yes. Ever glue them? No. Oh, thank God. No. Okay, good. No, I build the set. I keep the <laughs> the instructions. I'm not one to take a picture of Legos and it tells me what else I could build. I'm fascinated by that. But um, yeah, no, I, I mean, as a kid, the sets were not very elaborate, right? You had yeah. to like put stickers on. You have to do that a little bit still. But, oh, you know, the to build part the, of any yeah, kid toy yeah. building. Is it straight? Why does it look like a lunatic did this? Oh, it's upside down now. Yep. I got to peel it off. Oh, it's not going to go yeah. back. I just had that with my uh, <laughs> my four-year-old's birthday a few weeks back. Some Paw Patrol device, and I put the thing on. I'm like, oh, okay, look, I got most of the stickers done. I'm looking at them like, they're all upside down. Because <laughs> I had the piece upside down. Yeah, but, so for me, it started with a lot of the architectural stuff yep. in the cities. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, the Coliseum, which is not a small oh, piece. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, but it, like, I'm also a nerd who likes Tolkien. So when they brought mm-hmm. out the Rivendell, I was like, well, I got to get that. Yeah. Um, and the space stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My I, boys are huge in the Star Wars side of it. Yeah. Let me tell you about digital payments and that. You don't buy Lego sets right away when they're at nice prices on Amazon. They go up quickly yeah. in price. Uh, it's interesting how uh, that has just been like, I really should use that buy now button versus the add to cart. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting aspect to how pricing can immediately be impacted because of availability, the mm-hmm. discounts gone, whatever whatever it may be. You know, you're absolutely right. There was the, the, for my daughters two years ago, three years ago, I bought the Cinderella box of the castle, Disney castle. And when it came out at the time, I was like, if we don't get this now, it's going to be gone by February Mm -hmm. and we'll never see it again. And I'm not paying three times. Um, so we got it, kept it on the side and then eventually got it out and they play with it and it's great. And you know, you get Mickey and the rest of the Legos and they love it. So, and then we got the frozen one because mm. obviously you can't have Anna and Elsa without their castle yes. um, or the ice palace. Elf, yeah. So, so yeah, no, you're right. There are certain ones that I get right away and there's other ones I know I have some time mm. and you know, they've, they've definitely learned to market very well. They're oh, like yeah. a lot of our early adopters are older now. How yeah. do we keep getting money from them mm-hmm. to do certain things? Like, Hey, there's a James Bond yeah. car. And you're like, I need the James yeah, Bond car. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, overall. <laughs> so generationally, because now we're really yes. going t- into a rabbit hole, to use your phrase. Uh, and it wasn't about credit cards and no. debt and ease of use and all of that fun stuff. Digital payments. Uh, definitely here to continue growing with the different alternative options that we have. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of the uh, peer-to-peer and all of that come through. Uh, with the PayPal PCP aspect, it's starting to kind of bring everything back underneath one umbrella so that you have all those alternative options as a merchant that you can provide out as uh, just ways to complete transactions for your customers. With that, we got some great advice from you, Joe, on what you might think the future holds in the digital payment area. Any final parting thoughts before we wrap up this episode? I would say it's new year. 
-hmm. take a look at what's going on in your statements, make sure nothing's changed, make sure your business hasn't changed. And just know that in March, April, Visa, MasterCard, Discover, Amex make their rule changes for the next six months. Last year at this time, there was a ground shaking change for surcharge from three and a half to three percent. I haven't seen anything yet. I don't expect it to be too crazy, but you never know. So check your pricing, make sure that hasn't grown or changed in some weird way. And just know that there could be implications come, you know, April, May for the way that you are doing things that could cost you more money. Yep. And if there's any questions that you have about digital payments, please reach out to us at AmericanEagle.com yep. and Joe, the Duke Campania will <laughs> come in and be the expert for you. We want to thank everyone for tuning into the future. Thank you, Joe, for you. being on the show again and for hosting the last episode. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Lessons for Tomorrow podcast. For more information about the topics discussed today with regards to digital payments, check out the description of this episode. If you want us to cover a specific topic or submit feedback, please reach out, email us at lessonsfortomorrow at americaneagle.com and let us know uh, anything that you want to share with us regarding the topics covered today or on past episodes. Be sure to follow this podcast wherever you listen to them. And we thank you for tuning in and we will talk to you in the future.